All right, so the wait is almost over. The uh, season is almost back. Baseball is almost back after this long hiatus from a, a failed Yankee season last year without the playoffs. We had to sit through the Red Sox winning the World Series. A miserable Giants season. Uh, the Rangers have turned things around, but now it's spring around the corner. Opening day on Tuesday in Houston. Uh, to join me today to talk about the Yankees is Eric Bolin, the Yankees beat writer for Newsday. Eric, how's it going today? Going great, Neil. How are you? I'm doing well. Probably not as well as you're doing down in Florida because I think the best day we've had up here so far has probably been the worst day you've experienced down there. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate because we had, um, you know, it's 60 degrees here today, which is uh, not too bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, cool for down here, but uh, balmy for what you guys have been experiencing. <laughs> I always wonder, you know, covering this team, obviously pitchers and catchers report uh, you know, around the second week of February there, around Valentine's Day. Um, it's sort of a six-week affair. At what point do, do you guys, do the beat writers, the reporters, uh, at what point do you guys want to get out of Florida and head back? You know, I mean, players usually will tell you that, that they feel spring trains about, you know, 10, day, 10 to 14 days too long. Um, I like spring training. It doesn't really... You know, it doesn't wear on me that much. I I think it's fun to be down here. Uh, it's a little bit different schedule than what you get during the regular season. Uh, but I, I would probably agree with most players that you know if they uh, if they packed everything up and uh, you know headed for the regular season, uh, you know about a week or so, uh, you know. Uh, before we actually do, I, I would be good with that. Well, the last time we talked was the middle to end of January, I believe, and at that point, um, the, the biggest story was still Alex Rodriguez. The Yankees still hadn't signed Tanaka. We didn't really know where he'd end up. Uh, both those things have taken care of themselves, and, and now really the biggest story since has been Derek Jeter announcing his, his retirement, something that um, you know I've still had to cope with, something I probably never will really be able to cope with until probably a year from now when he's officially not on the team anymore. But has there been, you know, now that's Spring training's winding to an end. Has there been a weirder feeling to this season, knowing that it's Jeter's last? And I don't know if, if weirder is the word. I, I think that it's still because it, it's such a long ways off thinking about what things are going to be like in, in September uh, with with the Yankees and being Jeter's last year. You know, I mean, I, I think as we get into the season, it, it'll really take hold that this is his last year because you're going to go to different ballparks where they're going to be doing tributes of some kind. I don't think it's going to be on the scale of what we saw with Mariano Rivera last year because I don't think Jeter is going to be, you know, going to be part of a 10-minute ceremony when he would normally be out on the field stretching. You know, it's easier for a reliever uh, to do something like that. But when, you know, there's a five-minute video tribute in the ballpark or like we're going to see on opening day in Houston when former teammates like Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit are out there as part of some kind of a tribute. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, it'll start to sink in that this is going to be Jeter's last year. But uh, during spring training when he's in there for four, five, six innings, three at-bats or whatever, and then comes out, uh, there's really nothing that, that you know, screams out to you that this is Jeter's final year. Well, the thing with him that, that I always found uh, strange is that it just, I mean, obviously growing up, uh, my generation of Yankees fans, the Yankees fans in, the, in their 20s, mid-20s, late-20s, um, he's been there basically our whole lives as the shortstop of the Yankees. For me, it's been since fourth grade, and it will be weird once he's gone and once he's no longer a Yankee. I, I, it's always just felt like that would never be the case. And I know going into this year now with his struggles in spring training, the fact that he hasn't really played 
played since game one of the of the 2012 ALCS against the Tigers. It's been about a year and a half now, and I can you know only fear for the headlines that that some of the papers around the city and, and the sites around the city will have if he does get off to a slow start. So I guess I guess what I'm asking you is you know is there real fear that this spring training numbers will translate into the regular season, or, or, or is you know does he really mean that he's just getting his work in and getting his timing down? We don't have anything to worry about. You know, I, scouts that I've talked to from other teams, Neil, about it are, are are mixed. I mean, nobody thinks he's having a good spring, certainly. But talking to a, a guy yesterday from a, a National League team who's watched a lot of the Yankees this year, he said, "Look, you know, you can take the best hitter in the world in the prime of his career, and if his timing is off in the spring, he's going to look terrible." Um, and so he said, "Is this a case of where Jeter's just trying to get his timing down?" and he's going to be fine, or is this an aging player that just can't catch up to a 90-mile-an-hour fastball anymore? And I don't think anybody is of the opinion that it's the latter necessarily, and they're certainly not going to make that declaration before a regular season game is even played yet. One guy I talked to, though, said that even you know when Jeter has been slumping in the years, you don't see him reaching for as many balls as you've seen him this year. But again, the caveat to that could be that he simply just doesn't have his timing down, and he hasn't played much in you know the last year and a half or so. So you would expect him to have a little bit uh, longer getting comfortable phase in the spring than maybe normally you would have. And I will say this, you know, Jeter used to be one of those guys, getting back to your first question about his spring training too long, he's one of those guys who used to say, that it was a week to two weeks too long. This year he said, you know what, I used to say that, but I think it's just long enough because he knew what was ahead of him was six weeks of probably, you know, hard work and getting the timing back. And, uh, you know, maybe in the last week or so it it come back. But, uh, you know, he's not entirely there yet, obviously. But uh, in terms of what it portends for the regular season, I'm quite certain if you look back at his career past spring training, He's had some really lousy springs and gotten off to great starts in April and May and had tremendous years. And the Coral area, I'm sure he's had some uh, springs that, uh, you know, uh, were really, really good. And then, uh, you know, he started off slow in April or May or whatever. So um, anybody who tells you they know exactly what they're going to get out of Derek Jeter this year uh, is getting themselves. Well, with this team, and obviously with Jeter, to share the injury questions will loom, and with the rest of the sketchy infield with Brian Roberts, Kelly Johnson, uh, whether Nunez is in there, and Brendan Ryan comes back, there's certainly health questions about the infield of this team, but to me, it's going to come down to the pitching. It always does. Last year, the pitching was horrible. The Yankees don't make the playoffs, so it sort of goes hand in hand. And uh, the one guy sort of responsible for that last year, um, maybe not as much as Phil Hughes, but because he, he's the, the highest paid pitcher on the team in CC Sabathia, he is responsible at uh, almost $700,000 a start. And now he's a slimmer version of CC Sabathia, who's had a very good finish to spring training, uh, you know, getting in his last work um, on Thursday, heading into the opener on Tuesday in Houston. Should I, as a fan, believe in this slimmer version of CC Sabathia? Is he is he going to be the pitcher he used to be rather than the pitcher he was last year? Nobody that I've talked to, Neil, thinks that Sabathia is going to do anything other than adjust to being a, an older pitcher with, with diminishing velocity and be just fine. But Sabathia will be the first one to tell you that, yes, he believes he's going to do it, but he'll be the first to tell you he hasn't done it yet. And so, you know, look, his last three starts of the spring – were excellent. He didn't give up an earned run in a combined, I think it was 17 innings, including his four scoreless innings today against the uh, the Pirates. Um, but his fastball also was a one scout that I was texting with during the game study, peaked at about 88 miles an hour today. So, um, you know, I, I really don't think that Sabathia is going to be the guy that used to throw consistently 94, 95, and occasionally 96 miles an hour like he was for most of his career. 
And that was a transition that started last year for him, and it didn't start particularly well. We all know that he had a 14-13 and 13 record, 4.78 ERA, and he was a pitcher clearly struggling. However, he's a guy that also said that a lot of that had to do with his elbow just never feeling right. He had a bone spur removed from it after the 2012 season and uh, came in a little bit tentative with the elbow last year, and he, it just never felt comfortable for him for whatever reason. And so, you know, you have to take him at his word where he says that, you know, the elbow feels great. Everything else about his body feels great. Feels that physically he's in, you know, probably the best shape that he's ever been in. A little bit slimmer, as you uh, as you mentioned. But um, you know, until he actually shows that he can pitch at that velocity and do so consistently, it's going to be a question mark. But I do think the way he finished the spring, and I usually don't get really excited or depressed about spring training results one way or the other. Uh, I think it was encouraging because he looked so bad against the Nationals a few weeks ago, and you remember the, the headline where afterwards he said, I suck. Uh, he was really upset about how that, that outing went. The fact that he strung three in a row, pretty solid efforts, outstanding efforts, really, uh, to end the spring, I, I think the Bathy is encouraged by that, and certainly the Yankees are as well. But he's another one. Until you actually get into the season, I think anybody that tells you they know exactly what they're going to get from this year, uh, just like with Jeter, they're kidding themselves. It always, uh, you know, amazed me because everyone talks about CC and and his relationship with Cliff Lee, how they were such good friends, and that was one of the reasons that Cliff Lee might have signed with the Yankees a few years ago. It almost seems to me like he needs to call Cliff Lee, get together with Cliff Lee, learn how to be a guy who could be around 88, 89, 90 and be as dominant a lefty as Lee is. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think he's got the, the right mentor in that regard, Neil, already with Andy Pettit. The fact that uh, he's been in camp already trying to teach Sebastian the cutter, and, and they've talked a lot of, over the telephone during spring training, and one of the things that Pettit has told him is, you know, look, don't worry about the velocity, don't worry about the gun readings, don't worry about the questions, don't think about velocity, just go out and pitch and locate and command and, and work both sides of the plate and incorporate this new pitch, the cutter, and, uh, you know, and just pitch the way you know how to pitch. And I was talking to a couple of Pirates catchers uh, who were pretty familiar with uh, Sebastian before today's game, Chris Stewart and Russell Martin, who, uh, you know, combined to catch, you know, uh, eight eighty uh, Sabathia starts in their time with the Yankees between the two of them, and uh, they both said that you know Sabathia, even when he was throwing a mid nineties fastball, that wasn't what made him a really good pitcher. It was his ability to command the four pitches in his arsenal. And now he's hoping again to add the fifth with the cutter. But that was one of the things Russell Martin said was that you know he, he was a, a a a pitcher with, with a powerful fastball, but he wasn't a power pitcher. He was more of a uh, you know, a guy that could just command and throw the ball exactly where he wanted to do so. And that was really the biggest issue that Sabathia had last year was that pinpoint command that's been so, you know, characteristic of his career just wasn't there, and it got hurt where he gave up a career high in, uh, in single season in home runs uh, last season. So, you know, if Sabathia's command is there and indications are this spring that it, that it has been, you know, he should be fine. And that was the key to Andy Pettit really the last two years of his career, which was, uh, you know, wildly successful, and he, he was probably, if Pettit had decided to come back this year, you know, we'd be talking about a, a 40, 41-year-old Andy Pettit, uh, you know, charging hard into the season, coming off probably a decent spring, because uh, he felt comfortable throwing an 85, 86-mile-an-hour fastball, because he knew whatever he threw, he knew he was going to throw it pretty much exactly where he intended to, and, and if the Bathy gets to that point, uh, you know, he's going to be just fine. 
and like we talked about back in January with Tanaka, we uh, haven't had a chance to talk since since he actually became a Yankee. And uh, it was a little surprising. Well, I guess maybe not that surprising to see him slotted in the fourth spot in the season and, and pitch that opener in Toronto in the fourth game of the season. Uh, but, you know, for, for the amount of money the guy paid, is this, you know, sort of the Yankees way of hiding him in, in the rotation to sort of alleviate some of the pressure? Because it's not like they're doing a, a lefty, righty, lefty uh, sort of thing because they only have one lefty in the rotation. So, um, you know, what's the reasoning um, for Tanaka to be put in that fourth spot? You know, Neil, I, I think that it's a combination of what you said, but but it's also him and Hiroki Kuroda have such you know similar pitching styles that I, I think the Yankees want to make sure that they split up those pitching styles so that a team doesn't see uh, Kuroda on a Tuesday night and then Wednesday they've got Knock on the mound and, and he, he's throwing you know similar stuff. He obviously throws harder than Kuroda, uh, Kuroda does, but in terms of their windup, their motion, their their, their arsenal of pitches. Uh, you know, it's a similar movement on their, their splitters. Uh, the Tanaka, you know, looks like it, it, it could be, you know, better than Kuroda's, and Kuroda's is pretty darn good. But I think it's more just the mixing up the pitching style so, so teams don't get used to in a given series seeing similar-looking guys back-to-back. I think there's also the fact that, the, you know, the Yankees start the season with 13 straight games, and, uh, you know, they really do want to ease Tanaka into getting used to pitching every fifth day as opposed to every six or seven, which is the case in Japan. The big difference between pitching every five days and once a week. And I, I think the Yankees want to uh, take advantage of some of the off days, uh, although they don't have one early in the season because they do play 13 straight days uh, before they have their first off day. And that, that they can occasionally give it some extra practice in, in April and just sort of gradually uh, ease them into the, uh, the every fifth day routine. Well, over two years ago, when the Yankees traded uh, Jesus Montero for Michael Pineda, you know, I was I was ecstatic about the move. I, I thought it was a great move. It seemed like after uh, Pineda's rookie season, he could be a front in the rotation guy for the Yankees for about the next decade and and slot into that spot behind CC. And uh, then after the shoulder injuries, you know, he misses two seasons. It got to the point where you felt like maybe he would just never pitch for the Yankees, maybe never even pitch in the majors again. And uh, all the stories coming out of the spring down in Florida, he's looked good as anyone could in a spring training, especially a guy fighting for a spot. Um, how excited should I be to see Michael Pineda finally, finally with the Yankees and, and having the stuff that he does now? Well, I think Michael Pineda absolutely is someone Yankee fans should be excited to, to see uh, this, this year because the, the Yankees, you know, look, when Spurrier started, they without question wanted him to win that fifth starter job. However, that wasn't stacked in his favor. It wasn't that stacked in anybody's favor, but, you know, they to some degree wanted to see that trade justified from the Yankees' Montero deal from two years ago, but, uh, you know, he was going to have to go out and earn it, and that's exactly what he did, and he, emphatically, and he had to out-tip, you know, Fidel Nuno, who threw very well, Adam Warren, who threw very well, David Phelps, who threw very well, and it wasn't a matter of anything getting handed to him, so, uh, you know, Pineda came out, and Darnstrom gradually got better as the spring went along, and his last start, it now says that, uh, that he cut nine five. And when he started in the spring, he was 91, 92. So, you know, he seemed gradually getting stronger. And I think to see him gradually, his confidence improving as well. And if you haven't seen that from him, you haven't seen him talk with such confidence like you, you have uh, all spring long, certainly uh, because he's been hurt. And before he got hurt, he had all those questions about his velocity and his shoulder wasn't feeling very well. Uh, and eventually that led to the, to the surgery uh, in May two years ago. So, uh, you know, if you have even a semblance of the type of picture that starts for the Mariners the first half of 2011, wow, what a weapon up from your quick starter spot. 
for the Yankees. So, uh, you know, I, I think Yankee fans, and certainly the Yankees, have a lot to be excited about there. I went into this uh, offseason not feeling that confident about the future of the team, and then after all the spending, I was confident. Um, and then after Brian Cashman's uh, sort of uh, spring training state of the Yankees, I was a little less confident again. But, you know, you sort of inf- instilled confidence in me once again with just uh, a few days to go. Well, I think there's, there's you know, reason to be confident with the starting rotation, even though there are some questions there. Uh, but I would say, you know, I, I think the bullpen's got a lot of question marks, and the infield has currently constituted that. I don't think there's a lot to be confident about there. But bottom line, this is a better team in 2014 starting the year than ended in 2013 for the Yankees. So, uh, you know, I, I think that there is reason for enthusiasm. All right, Eric. Well, thank you for uh, giving me your time today to talk Yankees uh, as opening day approaches here. And hopefully by the time you get back up to New York for that uh, opener there against the Orioles, it's nicer uh, up here than, than it is down in Florida when you leave. Uh, that would certainly uh, certainly be nice. Uh, Northeast baseball sometimes can be a little bit sketchy with the weather, <laughs> so uh, what you just described, we certainly take. All right, Eric. Thanks again. Thanks, Neil. Anytime.